Welcome to Leaving a Legacy, a podcast focusing on the legacy format and the New England magic experience with your host, Adrian. I, and I think Tin Fins is just, um, it could, maybe it's crack. And Jerry. I'm going to say two things to you right now, and they're going to contradict each other. Now we take you to the Red Room, where round one pairings have been posted. Uh, welcome to Leaving a Legacy. This is episode 12, and I am Adrian, or Mathematrixster. Along with me is Jerry. Say hello, Jerry. Oh, how's it going, Adrian? How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing good. How was the Christmas party? Uh, Christmas party was amazing. Was it Was it worth getting the hotel room? Yeah. Oh, Sick. my God. That was, it was a lifesaver <laughs> because literally the Christmas party got out and we all went to the bar across the street. And awesome. My manager just lined up uh, 16 Irish car bombs for the team <laughs> and just said, everyone just, you know, go down the line. It was it was an experience. It got a little blurry after that, but <laughs> it nice. was it was a great time. Nice. Um, man, so what the – now, there's actually – I don't even know where you want to go first. What, yeah, there's a whole bunch going on. <laughs> there, there is. Um, what's, 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 your, what's the first thing you want to talk about? Because I'm stuttering uh, like a prick here. Yeah, I, I mean, I, let's let's just go right at it. Let's do the elephant in the room. Uh, it's old news uh, by this point, but uh, Modern Masters Two was announced. Yes. Um. So, gonna be in Vegas. It's it's kind of like the worst kept secret ever. Uh, people have known about it for months. Like, I think if I go back in my my text messages, I probably had one, uh, probably back in September when they announced it. Because as soon as they announced the GPS uh, schedule and there was the mystery GP and the mystery location, all limited. Yeah. Yeah, it's like limited three places. You're like, all right, that's Modern Masters two. It's gonna be in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's sweet that it's confirmed now, just because even though it's titled Modern Masters 2, uh, you know, with power creep and everything, pretty much the majority of modern playable cards are also legacy playable cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the flagship is Emrakul, which is, of course, I would say it's even bigger in legacy than it is in modern. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I play it in modern, but I play a deck that really doesn't win much in modern. <laughs> that too, but it's definitely a powerhouse in Legacy. You know, Sneak and Show is one of the best combo decks in the format. Uh, not to mention, you know, 12 Post is steadily climbing in popularity. It's it's definitely a flagship. And Tin um, is pretty popular. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, all right. So anyway, the, the, anyway, yeah, but um, yeah, not as not as exciting as Tarmogoyf for Modern Masters One. Definitely. But, so which I really. I mean, I figured they wouldn't use Tarmogoyf again just because I don't think they want people to get burned out. So I'm, I'm really wondering if Tarmogoyf is even going to be in the set. I still like to think that they could put it in the last core set. Yeah, I like that idea too. Uh, you're not alone in that theory. Um, that either that or uh, Liliana just like blowing out the last core set with a bang. Liliana uh, of the Veil? Yeah. Uh, because they did announce uh, with Modern Masters that Innistrad isn't going to be eligible for Modern Masters two. Right, but uh, would it? Would you think that would even fit story line, story wise line, and like the core set? Well, core sets don't have a story, which is the beautiful part about them. And All right. is uh, R and D has even come out and said that she was going to be in the last core set, but they realized in testing that you know mono we all you know. Even if you don't play standard, you still heard the horror stories about how everyone played mono black control. 
Oh, okay, yeah, the mono black devotion decks with pack rat and stuff. Yeah, and and Thoughtseize primarily. Mm-hmm. Imagine even imagine how bad that deck would have been even worse if it had access to Liliana. Which that would have just been a straight up modern deck in standard. Sure. Um, so that's why I think um, it it may be in the new core set. Uh, they just pushed it back a little bit, uh, which is definitely good for legacy players because she's creeping up on seventy bucks. Sure, but that's also not. Isn't that the invitational card for the PTQs or something? Yeah, but we still don't really know how much the invitational cards are going to affect the market. How? Okay. Because look at the foil force of wills. Right. Everyone th- were really excited about foil force wills, and it didn't put a dent in the price of force will because of how rare they were. Mm-hmm. Basically, you just had you now have this baller status card that the people who are obsessed with foiling out their legacy decks can finally you know complete that one more piece. Right. I think. I think with, uh, you know, like Sneak and Show now, the only thing you can't foil out are the dual lands. Everything else has had a foil promo come out. Right, and you can still, what, foreign black border? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can go pimp if you really want to. Right, but anyway, but the point is, is like, I really don't think the, uh, the PTQ promo Liliana is gonna affect the price of Liliana at all, and if they wanna make that card more accessible, just cause it's, it's a, it's a pillar of modern as well as legacy, um, they would wanna do another reprint, the same, yeah. cause, look at Thoughtseize. I, I put Thoughtseize in that same category. Thoughtseize was pushing $70 before it got a reprint. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see Liliana either being in the core set. It's not gonna be in Modern Masters 2 though. Right. Um, I I saw online you were uh, having a little discussion too. I noticed uh, Noble Hierarch. I think that would be a good call. Yeah, and I that um, yeah that was uh, that was a discussion that started by somebody, and um, it just it seemed like a valid point. And you know that's it. Actually, the more I thought about it too, it's the one card keeping me from Shardless Bant. Yeah, you know it's uh, it's definitely a deck that I want to play, um, but I just. You know the the challenge for me really when when I deliberate about a deck that I want to play is investing in cards that are in modern because it, it's a format devoted to reprints. Exactly. So it's it's one of the things that holds up. So when I start looking at the price of uh, Noble Hierarch, I, like, I I decide I'll just I'll just wait till it gets reprinted because at some point it's either going to get reprinted or it'll be for some reason it'll become so good that it's banned in modern and it just becomes cheaper. Like like um. Didn't the price drop on Deathrite Shaman? Yeah, price definitely dropped on Deathrite Shaman. I feel a lot of the price of Noble Hierarch, though, is uh, spurred by Legacy, because the bump in Noble Hierarch really started when Tom Ross went on his tear with Infect. Sure. Because Noble Hierarch is a linchpin of that deck. Okay. Um, so it's definitely, you know, definitely because of Modern as well, because it is heavily played in Modern, but I feel a lot of that price momentum is, is because of Legacy, and even if it does get banned in Modern, which I severely doubt it will, yeah, I doubt just because it, because it's a mana dork. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it won't go down that much even if it is banned in Modern. Right. But that also goes back to the point is, uh, a lot of people just feel, you know, mana dorks should not be $70 cards. Like imagine if 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 Birds of Paradise was a seventy dollar card. Sure, that, that's and one of the reasons why Bird of Paradise has so many reprints is because back in the day they never wanted it to be an outrageously expensive card. Right. Well, I mean, it's all right. It's a mana dog, but it has a secondary function. It's 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 rough to compare it to a Death Rite Shaman. Um, because yeah. the, where the Death Rite Shaman has two extra functions besides being a conditional mana dork. It, it's like the halfway point between Birds of Paradise and Death Rite Shaman. Sure. Sure. It, you know, it's more functional than a bird's, but less functional than a death rite. Yeah. Um, 
And it's it's also in like a weird, you know, for me, uh, Bant is a weird color combination to try to play in Legacy. Like I I don't, I mean, uh, Shadowless yeah. Bug was one, but trying to figure out well if I'm like what I'd want to do for white and green and blue. And actually that brings that that brings up um, the one the one deck I ever did play with white and blue, green and blue was uh, when I first started playing Legacy. It was like a land tax deck with Wheel of Sun and Moon and Energy Field. Yeah, I, I came across the same thing when I built my band deck. Uh, it just I felt torn in a hundred different directions because there's so many different ways to build that color combination. Yeah. You know, you could go the Jace route with Stoneforge Mystic and you know Mana Dorks powering out uh, Jaces and Elspeths. Okay. Uh, you could also go the uh, Knight of the Reliquary route and go with more mid range the Beaters builds. Mm-hmm. Um, the traditional one was no bants, which was a uh, natural order bant. Right. Where you had the natural order, uh, just combo, but you could also just play as kind of a mid-range Jace, uh, beater deck with mm-hmm. a Stoneforge Mystic Jace, and then you just had the natural order as the I win the game on the spot. Uh, back in the day before Craterhoof Behemoth, uh, was printed, it was, uh, Progenitus was the go go to for natural order. Right, right. And, and, I mean, for me, what I, what it ended up with was really just a bad version of Enchantress. Yeah, yeah. That, that's uh, that's exactly it. Um, you feel pulled in a million different directions, and you just feel like you're a worse version of all the different directions. Yeah. yeah. Um, Reed Duke was probably the last one to have success with it, because um, when right after True Name was printed, mm-hmm. he had the Natural Order deck that was running, you know, like... People were wondering because he only ran like one Jace and two Stoneforge Mystics, and it seemed like it was almost a like a pseudo commander deck. And I think it really reflects that there's just one of the reasons why you're pulled in so many different directions is there's so many options in those color combinations. So it's hard to jam a four of everything in there. Yeah, and and you know the one, and whenever, of course, I don't know for me whenever I start to look at white and green together. Um, I tend to gaze towards the tutors. So I look towards Enlightened Tutor. And mm-hmm. then and then I ask myself, why is no you know, worldly tutor never gets any play? Yeah. Well and there's yeah, go ahead. No no no. I was just, I was just thinking worldly tutor gets no play and anything that's a one mana one mana instant speed tutor seems so powerful. Like I love personal tutor. Um but the sorcery speed and putting a sorcery on top, you know, I usually only use it in like um the blue red version of Omni Show I used to play, mm-hmm. but there's uh it's just does the what is it does Oops all spells use Worldly Tutor? Somebody must. Yeah, well, it, uh, what I was gonna say is that Green just has tutors that people have never even heard of that really should probably see more play. Like one of my favorite underplayed cards is Time of Need. Oh yeah, oh, actually yeah, and I used to use that in the sideboard of that blue red Omni Show deck. Yeah, Time of Need's crazy. So it's one colorless, one green for a sorcery. Search your library for a legendary creature card, reveal it, and put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. Like, first of all, any tutor that says put it into your hand instead of just on top of your library or into your graveyard, right there, that's pretty insane. Mm. You know, it's very limiting, the fact that it has to be a legendary creature, Mm -hmm. but, you know, time of need plus a show-and-tell equals an Emrakul. (laughs) Yes, uh, and a resolved omniscience with a burning wish. Right, and even... Time of need does also, yeah... Right, and even if you also went like the natural order route, uh, progenitus, you can either natural order out the progenitus or you can show and tell time of needed out. Um, oh, yeah. I'm just, I'm not saying that it could be, it would be right off the 
bad a, a tier one deck, but I'm right, just surprised right. no one's tried it before. <laughs> right. Yeah. The only the only deck I ever played Time and Eat in was the uh, Blue Red Omni Show, and I usually used it after Resolved Omniscience, and it, it was just, um, you know, the the downside to that deck was everything was sorcery speed. Uh, right. The upside to that deck was it had so many different lines of play to win on. Mm-hmm. Um. But anyway, uh, so yeah, the. <laughs> that was a nice little tangent on Bant, but uh, what, else, what else do you think's going in Modern Master 2? Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, the only thing I'm really hoping for is Noble Hierarch. I mean, personally, just it's it's just me. I really have no interest in the format. Um, it seems like every time I say, you know, I mean, there's all sorts of speculations on, well, Mox Opal could get reprinted, and mm. and and if it's not something that I that I'm gonna intend to play in Legacy. Um, well, I mean, I, I feel the reason why legacy players get so excited is because this is the one chance we get for legacy powerful cards sure. uh, to get reprinted because there are just a lot of cards that see a lot of play in legacy that will never be printed in standard ever again. Frankly, I'm surprised Thoughtseize got printed again. Okay. Um, so this is our chance in legacy to get those cards. Um, well, the other thing that I find in this, uh, you know, the announcements of the Mod- Modern Masters 2015 anyway is the $10 a pack. And yeah. So at ten dollars a pack, if I open an Oriok Salvagers, <laughs> um, or a Conda, the uh, what a, uh, the Dragon Cycle from Kamigawa. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to pay ten dollars a pack to open up something that's phenomenal in Commander. Like that's that's uh, that's just yeah. not that's not um that's see, not my interest. See, I say that. But at the same time, I'm also, if I see Modern Masters 1 pack selling for, you know, $18 a pack whenever a store gets them in, I'm still snap buying those because you, you can get that $50 Sword of Fire and Ice or you can get that $200 Tarmogoy for that, you know, $70 Dark Confidant. Sure, but I could do that if I don't buy the packs too. Yeah, but some of us have this thing <laughs> called an addiction. See, well, you know, you know what actually I was thinking about because we were talking about this with Noble Hierarchy and reprinted and I was thinking about how Shardless Bug is such a deck for a degenerate gambler. It's so much fun. It, it's um, true. And, yeah, and, that's what they were saying is that um, Cascade could be, so, you know, with Modern Masters 1, they chose a bunch of the favorite mechanics from old days and brought them back and uh, Brainstorm Brewery, or uh, maybe it was uh, uh, Marcel on uh, Heavy Meta were talking about different mechanics and he thought uh, uh, Cascade would be great because it's going to be in Vegas. You know, there's no better place to do it in Vegas than, all right, let's see what's on top of the deck. Let's, let's roll the dice. Well, sure, but here's, I mean, here's the down, the down, like, not the downside, but here's the, I don't know, co- the counterpart to that. Here, okay. Here's the counterbalance to that, I guess. <laughs> okay. Right? So, Bloodbraid Elf and Sexual Visions are both banned. Like so, if you okay, you get a cascade format without the really good cascade cards. Like I mean, I mean, you put hype. I suppose you could actually put in like uh, what violent outburst and hypergenesis because Emrakul's in the format. Yeah, I you could know. definitely see hypergenesis being in the format with Emrakul because they need ways to cheat him into play. And one of the things that uh, you know we were talking about on uh, the Facebook group anyway was that um, somebody wanted to see glimpse of what glimpse the unthinkable. Yeah, Glimpse of restrict uh ridiculously expensive right now. Yeah, and and I didn't realize that until he mentioned it and I looked it up and it's it's more than twice what it was the last time I looked. But yeah. with so with Emrakul being reprinted in Modern Masters too, there's of course the speculation it would make sense through the breach could get reprinted. Goryeo's Vengeance should be reprinted. Yeah. Um, which is funny because those two cards I play in a modern deck and I never win. Well, <laughs> it, it, well when I do it's turn one. But the um 
those two cards at least allow Emrakul to be cheated out. And at the same time, I thought about it when he mentioned Glimpse the Unthinkable, is if you actually glimpse yourself, you can Goryeo's Vengeance, your Emrakul, back into play. Yeah, with the trigger on the stack. Yeah, so that's, um, I mean, that's certainly potential for limited in the set. Mm-hmm. You know, it, um... Well, also, just going back with the Ancestral Visions being banned, a lot of people are say that you might as well just unban Ancestral Visions because Treasure, treasure Cruise, Cruise is strictly better. <laughs> <laughs> so I can definitely see Wizards having that foresight uh, and unbanning the uh, Treasure Cruise, uh, unbanning Ancestral Visions knowing that Treasure Cruise was going to be just that much better in the format. I think, I think for me, unfortunately, um, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, if they... They could unban Ancestral Visions, unban Bloodbraid Elf, unban Jace, and reprint all three in the set, along with Goryeo's Vengeance, Through the Breach, and we know they're going to reprint Emrakul, and I still wouldn't have interest in drafting it. Really? <laughs> I don't. Well, I don't need to open any of those cards. See, I just love drafting what feels like legacy draft. And that's what I felt the Modern Masters uh, 1 was, is it felt like drafting legacy. No. Oh, God, not for me. Not for me. No, no. I opened Paradise Mantle, and that's a great card, and that's a great card in the draft, because you can fix your colors and everything. Um, And I opened Vivid Lands, and then I opened, like, a bridge from below that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) And then I, like, it it was a very awkward, I mean, there was great tribal strategies to draft in the set, um, but it definitely didn't feel like legacy to me. I mean, like, and I, I think I understand your point where you would mention conspiracy was like that because mm-hmm. you're actually opening brainstorm and you're opening, you know, like it, it, yeah. it I, I could see how that could compare to like a pseudo legacy cube. Right. Um, modern masters. All right. With click dark confidant and Tarmogoyf, um, there was certainly a power level to be had, but there was, I mean, there was obviously no, um, you know, in Legacy, when you get the Caracas Click Lock. Right. It's not like you're drafting the Holiday Cube on, on Moto and you're drafting, you know, Jaces and Force of Wills and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. There, yeah, there's no Caracas Vendillion Click Lock. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no, you know, getting a 5-6 a Tarmogoyf on turn two. Let me ask, was, was Isochron, Isochron Scepter wasn't reprinted in Modern Masters 1, was it? No. No, it was reprinted like right before it was in, is, oh. is it Verse Golgari? That's right. I, I think it was. Yeah, and Chalice of the Void was reprinted in Modern Masters 1. That's yeah, it's, it was. actually, quick thing on Chalice of the Void, you see Chalice of the Void hit $15. I, I heard that recently. You know what actually, now that, now that you mentioned that too, you know what else could see a reprint in Modern Masters 2? Which would really make sense with Emrakul being reprinted? Uh, wait, let me guess. Uh, ensnaring bridge <laughs> at twenty dollars each. Yes. Yep, can totally see ensnaring bridge in the in Amar Masters too. Maybe leyline of sanctity. Yeah, leylines because those are also much needed in uh, legacy. Um, oh. Probably, yeah. probably not the void anyway. But uh, the sanctity. I feel if they would print one leyline, they would print a cycle of them. Maybe definitely not all of them because so, there's a lot of terrible ones, but I could definitely see them doing one for each color. So with that said, do you expect the three Eldrazi? Yeah, I definitely I think if they're gonna do Emrakul, they're gonna do all three Eldrazi. What about that other one? There was one that was really cute, whatever a player sacked a permanent. What's that guy? Um well there was Ulamog, which is the one that draws you four cards. Right. No, Ulamog destroys a permanent when you cast Oh it. yeah, the Ulamog's Vindicate. What's the one that draws you four cards? Kozilek. Kozilek. I thought there was only three. There's another one. There's, there's one that's not an. Uh, it's not a legendary Eldrazi. 
It's oh, like, it's like one of the minions. It's sort of like one of the minions, but whenever a player sacrifices a permanent, you gain control of it. Huh. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't really. I didn't play during uh, Rise of the Eldrazi, so I, I'm not too familiar with that and I all the cards in that. I didn't either, but man, when you stick that in a commander deck, that freaks people out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, I'm like doing things with. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's that's. <laughs> once they once once and I, I think I heard it was unbanned now, but when they banned Shaharazad, I stopped playing Commander. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's really the only things you're kind of looking for in Modern Masters. No, nothing else on your wish list. Um, even I mean, I'm I'm really not even I'm not even wishful on it. Staring Bridge, I think that'd be cute. Uh, Leyland Sanctity, <sighs> you know. The downside with that card to me is I never like having a card in a deck that I feel like I need to mulligan into. Yeah, that too. I hate that's that was my least favorite part about the ley lines. Yeah, I mean, um, like yeah. I will I will never put a ley line in a deck that I can't naturally cast. Like I'll never play a blue white deck and run ley line of the voids in the sideboard. And that just, makes sense. Just because I hate having uh, knowing that there's a dead draw somewhere in my deck. And that's that's what makes me not makes me nervous, but. You know, like the eight rack decks where it's all just discard and they play ley line of the void. It, 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 it's awkward because even if I bounce it back to the hand, they can just recast it. You know, they yeah. have, they, they have that upper advantage over whatever, whatever I think I can deal with it. Um, but at the same time, like the, the mono blue omni show deck that will just play out ley line of sanctity, without that they can't cast it. You know, they have to show and tell in a ley line. Right. It's, 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 uh, I don't know, man. I always, and, and of course with me, the last, I decided to, and this was, here's a little interesting judge story. Um, down in GP New Jersey. Alright, here's, this has to go back a little bit, but, um, so, at an SCG event in Providence, I was playing Tin Pins, and there was a guy that came down from Maine, um, and we were playing, and, I did something where I cast a ponder. No, what did I do? I cast a brainstorm, looked at the top three. They were useless, and I went to resolve it like a ponder and started shuffling the deck. (laughs) 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 And he looked at me and goes... What are you doing? And I he looked down. Slow, at, slowly raises his hand. Judge. No, well, I, I looked down at the card I cast, and I'm like, oh, jeez. You know, and I know what the three cards were. It was like a land, and I'm recalling it in a grizzle brand, but I didn't have an enabler. And I'm like, oh, jeez. No, I just thought it was a ponder. And, like, we both knew that it it, it wasn't – I wasn't scumming anything. We just, I just made just a legitimate it. mistake. Yeah. You know? no. And um, But best thing we do, we call the judge over. And this guy comes over, and I've seen him head judge many of these events, uh, or at least a few of the events that I've been at anyway. And he came over, and he kind of, you know, he, he took my opponent aside and asked him, took me aside and asked me, and he kind of asked me, well, what were you thinking? You know? <laughs> so, but I told him, and, he, and, and uh, I said, I just, I thought it was a ponder. When I, I looked at the three cards, they were useless, and I thought it was a ponder, and I started shuffling. Um, I, and I said, I know what they were. Um, you know, however you want to handle it, just let me know. Cause that, you know, I don't know if I'm going to get a game loss or what. So, um, and I think he, he, he might have given me a warning or something because it's, you know, he, I don't know if they actually have the ability to go back and, and cross reference my DCI number and how much, how many warnings have I gotten and stuff. And I yeah, really, I, yeah, I was going to say, I really don't want to know that kind of information. Like, I just well, try to play the clean game I can. Yeah, that's how Bertoncini got caught. He just accumulated too, too many warnings. Too many warnings, sure. So, you know, and then at SCG Worcester, um, I run into the same guy from Maine, and and I got to talk to him, um, you know, because he's a cool guy, 
And we had actually done a couple of trades. He was looking for like uh, Liliana and had Misty Rainforest or something. So we did a little bit of trading anyway. And I got to talk to him a bit. Well, down in SCG, um, at the Grand Prix, New Jersey, I ran into that same head judge, and I got to pull him aside. And I'm like, I just wanted to let you know that I think you handled that call really well. I'm like, I'm the guy that resolved a, a brainstorm like a ponder. And he, and he like he remembered me. Yeah. Um, and uh, because there's not many people that play ten fins anyway, but <laughs> so. He, Wait, so what what was the result? Like, did you get a game warning? Did you? I think I just got I think I just got a warning. It, oh, okay. it, it, it didn't. I might have even gotten a game loss, and we just played another game. It, like I said, it was just an honest mistake anyway, and I was more interested in having a decent game with the opponent, you know, because he was a right. cool guy. He was a cool guy. Um, so, so I, down in GP New Jersey, I found that head judge. I talked to him. I'm like, you know, I just wanted to let you know I really think he handled that well. I have another question for you. Mm-hmm. Now, but back at Grand Prix Boston. I was playing the modern version of Gorio's Vengeance. And I was playing against a burn deck. And in that deck, on the sideboard, I had four copies of Leyline. Leyline of Sanctity. And I put them in the deck. And it was one of those, like, you know, where the guy's shuffling my deck. And I'm watching him kind of with the goblin eyes looking down. Like, and so you're looking for a white card and a red deck to get to the bottom. You know what I mean? And it just felt awkward. Oh, uh, like he was—he was doing a little pe- peekaboo, <laughs> something like that. And I'm, and and at that point, I'm like, I'm not playing a white card in a red deck again. Screw this card. So I sold all four lane lines then. And I didn't. <laughs> I forgot that that was the root of this conversation. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and go I, on, go on. <laughs> so and I didn't feel bad about it because I had gotten them out of the dollar box at TE before they went to twenty bucks. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, all right, well, I'll sell them for ten, fifteen, whatever it was at the Grand Prix. And um and I got rid of the ley lines then. Well, since then, every time I look at a deck list or um you know the land tax deck that I used to play, that was my only hope against ad nauseum tendrils. Right. Was was to actually play to play and have you know fight down a ley line of sanctity and then a greater oromancy. Mm-hmm. You know because like if I want to play something that doesn't contain force of will, I have to protect myself against decks that'll abuse that fact. Yeah, it's either that or you know mind break trap are your only real options for turn one. Right, right, and um, so I can see both those cards being Modern Masters two mind break trap uh, later on. <laughs> oh jeez, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> that's getting think pretty of, expensive too. I didn't even think of mind break trap. What's it at like eight now? Um, well, let's do a little research. Uh, I mean, like, even, I mean, the last time I knew the price of a mind break trap, it still doesn't even equal the cost of the pack. (laughs) So, what I'm actually curious about is how... That's not that bad. I thought it would be a little bit more on TCG Player. It's averaging at uh, about eight bucks. Okay, yeah. So, the pack is still more expensive. So, I guess what that actually leads me into wonder is what are the uncommons and the commons that they're going to print? Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up is my favorite part is the commons and uncommons because there are just these ridiculous cards that you would just never expect to be expensive and they're super expensive. Uh, I I remember my first experience of that was Inquisition at Costa, like hitting like $9.00. Um, But other ones that come to mind are like Smash the Smithereens. That thing's $5.00 now. Okay. Um, and you, you, you really, it, it's not even so much the cost as finding them. You basically right. have to order them online because you will never find them in a binder in any store unless it's like the dusty thing that fell behind the counter like mm. five years ago is that five years ago that no one ever saw. Um, and it's not expensive enough for stores to put it in the case. And most people don't even know it's that expensive. So they don't put it in binders or take it with them. They just stay in, you know, common boxes, mm. uh, underneath your desk. 
So that I think definitely needs a reprint just to get more copies in circulation and you know get them out there. Of Inquisition of Kozlik? Uh No, sorry, uh, Smash the Smithereens. Oh, Smash the Smithereens. I think yeah. Inquisition would also make sense if they're going to redo the Eldrazi in it. Yeah, Inquisition as well, just because um, that's still probably like five dollars too. That could be the the hand disruption for the set. Yeah, uh, Remand and Serum Visions are also really big. Uh, speaking of Serum Visions, I, I sympathize you with the Brainstorm Ponder, because whenever I play Modern, it's I'm so out of my element. I play Storm in Modern, and I'm always so out of my element playing Modern compared to Legacy. I'm resolving Serum Visions like they're Ponders, and slightly <laughs> it's like they're Brainstorms, and my opponents think I'm a scumbag, and I'm, like, oh, I'm just a Legacy player. I'm not a scumbag. I'm, just, I'm, just I'm a really, Legacy player. <laughs> I, I just look at them and go, I'm sorry, I'm really terrible at this game. <laughs> but then they look at what I play, they're like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Exactly. So, yeah, Remands is the big one. Serum Visions is a big one. Uh, especially because Serum Visions should have been in Theros, and it wasn't for some strange reason. Now, why do you say it should have been in Theros? Because uh, Scry. Scry is one of those mechanics that can only be reprinted very infrequently. I see. Makes it's, sense. So you can't just, like, throw a Scry in any random set. It has to be, like, a Scry-themed set. Theros was the Scry-themed set, and they didn't reprint the key Scry card. So They so got the burn one. What was the burn one? Um, the two-mana deal-two-damage Scry 2. Huh. Hey, well, I know that they had the counterspell one. Counterspell Scry, whatever it was. Yeah, but it was... Um, oh, why am I blanking on that burn spell? But that burn... standard. Yeah, well, no, it was, that, that card was big, I remember because, um, I had a bunch of them and they hit like five dollars. It I, wasn't Anger of the Gods. No. no, it's, it's the Scry one, Molten something. Uh, it's, it's killing me that I can't think of it, but. Alright. Anyways, it was like, it's one, one colorless, one red, uh, instant, deal two damage, Scry two, and it hit like five dollars, uh, before it was reprinted in Theros. Jeez. So they go. Oh, oh, magma spray. Magma spray. No, magma jet. Magma jet. Magma jet. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So yeah. So, but the fact that they didn't do serum visions, I thought was a huge miss. Maybe they tested it and it was just too powerful and standard. But (laughs) with the yeah, draw a card, scry two, counter a spell, scry one. (laughs) Yeah, I can can see how obnoxious that deck would be. Yeah, but like serum visions is pushing like eight dollars right now. Oh wow, actually, never mind. I just um. Oh, I correct myself. It is pushing eight dollars. I was looking at the foil versions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, you know, and I got four in my binder. I should really trade them because I have, I don't play modern. Yeah, I have six foil serum visions. Jeez. Yeah, because oh, because you pimped out your foil. Yeah, deck. I decided I would never be able to foil out a legacy deck, so I decided to live vicariously through modern and uh, foiled out modern storm. Mm. But I got three of the DCI promo serum visions and then three of the uh regular foil versions without realizing it. Well, you know, I got two and two not realizing it and I've been correcting it and ended up with two extra foil serum visions that I need to get rid of. Okay. But yeah, so the uncommons and commons are definitely hold a lot of value uh for the modern masters. Uh, They already printed Path. I can't think of anything else that would actually... Honestly, they'll probably print it again. It's still $5. It's been printed so many times, and it's still more expensive. It's been printed more frequently and in greater volume than Source of Plowshares. Well, I guess before Conspiracy came out. 
But even before Conspiracy came out, Source to Plowshares was still cheaper than Path to Exile. Sure, but which one do you think sees more play in Legacy? And, and I'm only bringing this oh, up. I mean, I'm more interested in Legacy. I mean, obviously, Source to Plowshares, but the fact that it's still a $5 card being printed so often, I can totally see them printing Serum Visions again. Hmm. Uh, not Serum, well, not Serum Visions, uh, Path to Exile. Um, and Path to Exile does see play in Legacy, too. It's, it's Source to Plowshares 5 through 8. Yeah, or it's, I mean, usually in a separate deck. Like, um, I'll play Path to Exile in Land Tax. Yeah, I'll also see some of the aggro decks uh, run Path to Exile over Sword of Plowshare just because the life gain actually does matter for them. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Zoo uh, will, yes. will run. Yeah, I mean, they'll still run Sword of Plowshares too just because I feel a lot of that's just muscle memory playing Sword of Plowshares over Path. But <laughs> You just reminded me of something. I was just thinking about... Uh, you were you were referencing Zoo, and I can't remember where the heck I heard it. I heard somebody somebody referenced playing Zoo with Treasure Cruise and calling it Noah's Ark. Oh yeah, I saw that too. It was somewhere on Twitter. Yeah, I think. That's oh my god, was that cute? <laughs> that I I kind of want to do that just just <laughs> just to do it. <laughs> yep. Right. Well, you know what though, the downside. Well, the downside for me is that you would actually put together a Zoo deck with Treasure Cruise and take second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> oh man. Speaking of some rankings, did you see the uh yeah, the SCG invitational? No, actually I, I saw you know I, I don't know. I, the nice thing the here's something I will give credit to SCG for is uh when when I'm at the event I follow the pairings on Twitter. Because trying to you know, cattle yourself back and forth to the pairings board is such a hassle, especially where I smoke yeah. cigarettes. I'll just go outside, smoke a cigarette and look for Twitter. But yeah. the the odd thing is that I think I'm still following the Twitter pairings now from SCG, <laughs> for, like since Vegas, uh, since New Jersey. Yeah. And so every once in a while I'll look at Twitter and see, oh, SCG pairings for, and I saw the Legacy Invitational. I'm like, all right, well, let me go on Twitch and watch some of this. And I couldn't find it anywhere. And, oh, and I couldn't find, I went to their site, I went to like the SCG site, I couldn't find them streaming the Legacy. I, I went to the stream and I could see Standard. And they showed Oh, yeah, because you know they, they switch off. Well, this so, is the this is the invitational. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I the invitational add. is a weird setup where they 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 do like four rounds of legacy, four rounds of standard, and then they do uh, maybe four more rounds of legacy, and then they do top eight. Um, or maybe it's just four and four, and then top eight. But yeah, they switch off uh, between standard and legacy, so they'll do a chunk of standard, then a chunk of legacy. Oh, because they they showed the pairings on Twitter for legacy, and then the stream was showing standard, and it didn't say it 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 didn't say replay, and, and so I, I thought it, maybe I couldn't find the legacy. If they they would have wanted me to sit through, I mean, I'm, I, I'm obviously not a fan of standard, but like you know, they, I mean, I'll play it sometimes if I don't know. If yeah, I that, that's why I don't really watch the stream for the invitational, just because I don't, I, yeah. I don't want to watch the standard. But yeah, I mean, you have to the, watch the standard to watch the legacy. I'd rather do something else. Yeah, but uh, the top eight is actually pretty telling. I think so. Some people are kind of disappointed just because to run down the top eight. Uh, Dylan Donegan came in first with Blue Red Delver. Yeah. Second was Blue Red Delver. Then it was Delver. then it was Storm, Storm, Jeskai Ascendancy combo with Sam Black, which was the talk of the town. Storm again, Miracles, Blue White Red uh, Stone Blade. So uh, let me think. So what you're telling me then is that there was no Maverick. Yes, so <laughs> that's what I want to get into. I was thinking about, so I was looking at the pairings earlier today, and I just, I've been like working through it in my head, and I think I've 
kind of it, it tells a lot about the meta. So if you remember back to you know probably I think it was like our first or second episode we were talking about the meta game shifts and legacy. How uh, it's kind of a giant rock paper scissors shoot between combo mid range aggro and you know control thrown in there too. But we were talking about back then combo was really bad just because of the way the meta was, and now it's shifting back towards combo's favor. So Blue-Red Delver took over. It was one of the best decks, and then people adjusted to beat the Blue-Red Delver by playing a lot more removal. Um, you know, Blue-White-Red's running Lightning Bolts and Swords of Plowshares, and then Maverick started popping up again because they're running Chokes and just going bigger. Mm-hmm. And combo decks love to see that because in order to play Source of Plowshares and Lightning Bolt in your deck, you're shaving Spell Pierces and other counter magic or burning only three Force of Wills, which combo loves again. Mm-hmm. So combo is all of a sudden deciding, oh, it's a really favorable meta for us right now because people are playing a bunch of removal spells that are absolutely dead against us. Mm-hmm. What I also noticed, though, is Storm was the most popular deck of the Invitational because... Uh, another interesting fact with Blue Red Delver is people started main decking uh, Pyroblast and Red Elemental Blast yeah. to deal with Treasure Cruise. Yep. And most combo decks are also blue decks. However, the two main exceptions are Elves and Storm. Mm-hmm. You know, Storm runs blue for the cantrips, but their combo pieces aren't blue. They're black and red, past and flames, ad nauseum, tendrils. So they don't really care about pyroblast. Sure, you may get their ponder or their brainstorm, but that's not a big deal to them. You're not taking their key piece. Right. So storm, so combo in general is back on the rise because people are main decking all this dead removal against them. Mm-hmm. But because they're also main decking pyroblast, that's why you're not seeing decks like, uh, sneak and show or omnitel or high tide or these other blue based combo decks coming back as strong. You're seeing the non blue decks, you know, we saw Elves a little while ago, and then the Invitational Storm mm-hmm. uh, being really popular. So, it, it's definitely showing that the meta is shifting back in that direction. Obviously, the Invitational is uh, kind of not the purest example, because, you know, you have some of the best legacy players in the world playing in it, so they generally tend to favor the more complex decks, and Storm being one of the most complex decks you can possibly play in Legacy, uh, plus the fact that it's also a standard combined tournament means that some of the people who do really well in Standard but not so well in Legacy also snuck in there. Mm. But it definitely does say a lot about the meta. Now, let me let me ask you, Jerry, um, do you... I know you've been, you play a lot of Legacy and stuff. You do, uh, you ever play Ad Nauseam Tentrals? I picked it up once, um, and I liked it. My problem is I don't own Lion's Eye Diamonds. Okay. And Storm is one of those decks where you have to play week in and week out to get really good at it. And I just didn't want to go through the motions of having to borrow Lion's Eye Diamonds every week. Mm-hmm. So I never, I've never really put in the reps with it. Never committed yourself to the deck itself. Yeah, I, I basically played it enough to know how it works. So if I play against it, I know how to beat it. Which okay. I, I also recommend for all our, all our listeners, if you want to know how to beat a deck, play with it. The best way to figure out how a deck lo- loses is to get beaten while playing that deck. Yeah, and then you start to figure out, what's the card I'm afraid of? And then, yeah. You know, what's the card the, that they're afraid of? And what's the card that's most important to me? What's the card that I have to resolve? Right. See, I now, when I had Lion's Eye Diamonds, I do Dredge and Ad Nauseam Tendrils. And what I, for me, what I found was in playing uh, the Epic Storm, that the Epic Storm was, 
easier for me to pilot. And I've had this discussion with, like, you know, we got one of our friends who, will, who, uh, I mean, he could play anything. But mm-hmm. a lot of times when I see him do a storm deck, he does ad nauseum tendrils. And, and you know, I kind of, how can I put it? I prodded him for his insights on really the difference between the epic storm and ad nauseum tendrils. And uh, for anybody not aware, um, you know, the ad nauseum tendrils will ad nauseum take a bunch of cards, then cast a bunch of stuff. The epic storm will go a little bit faster and use Burning Wish and r- have access to red and play Empty the Warrens for creatures if needed. Right. And so when I was when I was talking to him about it, his what his take was was that for him ad nauseum tendrils was easier. Because you didn't have to worry about what color mana you're making. It's all black. You just make mana. Yeah, it's so it's more vulnerable, but it's narrow and focused. Whereas Epic Storm has a lot more outs and alternate win conditions. But mm-hmm. you, there's because of that, there's a whole bunch more lines of play that you have to be aware of. Right. You hit my burning wish at the right time, and and I'm hurting. Right. Um, but it's, it's. It's a hell of a lot better than them hitting your, uh, infernal tutor, your ad nauseum, and you're hurting even more. Right. So I think, you know, for, for me, I found the Epic Storm easier to play. Um, you know, that being said, it was definitely not, I mean, ad nauseum tendrils was, it, it always seemed like every time I played ad nauseum tendrils, I'd look at my opening seven, and I couldn't tell if it was a good hand or not, until turn three when I realized it really wasn't. <laughs> it just never yeah. seemed like I, I, well, that, I never was able to pull it together. Yeah, that just kind of goes with um, just playing the deck more, being able to recognize those hands that are that are do nothings. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because I love playing combo decks, but apparently I just really love to play easy combo decks. Yeah, yeah, and I give I give. There's a couple of guys around here that I, that I've run into that play ad nauseum tendrils almost exclusively, and they're fun. They're they're really good with it. You know, I, I give them a lot of credit because I don't find it to be an easy deck to play. Yeah, Storm and Doomsday and decks like that are really decks that you pretty much have to... Miracles kind of falls into that as well. In order to be good with the deck, you really have to play it exclusively. Mm-hmm. And I have way too much ADD and Legacy to <laughs> myself to one deck. Likewise. Likewise. Um, but we got the double treat. Uh, my favorite part about Invitational is that there's the legacy part of the Invitational, and then there's just a regular uh, legacy uh, tournament as well. And the top eight of that's even more interesting. Um, so we actually do see a Maverick t- uh, popping into the top eight, um, which you know kind of is continuing on that trend we mentioned before about how these mid-range decks are on the rise. Mm-hmm. Um, your favorite deck, Miracles 1. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite deck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but we had another version of Storm, which kind of backs up as well, as well as an Elves, um, which we also mentioned. I mean, I'm kind of surprised about the Omnitel, but he may have just been able to dodge all the red blasts. Uh, and also, I was happy to see a Grixis Painter list came in second. Hmm. Uh, we were talking about that on the last episode, and oh, uh, people were mentioning in the uh, the show notes that they wanted the list, so we're gonna we're gonna post that in the show notes for uh, for this week for you guys. Um, yeah, the I'm, gonna, I'm, list. I'm gonna stick in the show notes, and I'm also let me post your Grixis Painter deck mm-hmm. in the show notes, and I'm also gonna post it on the Facebook page, and and I'm gonna post a link to the Facebook page in the show comments also in the show notes because um, so you know somebody hit me up and it was hard to find, and we'll get into that as we get towards the top eight anyway. But. Yeah. Um, oh, real quick, just on the, the 
Grixis Painter. The list, uh, Jonathan Salem, uh, he came in second at the, uh, SCG. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of different. His is more of a painter deck, whereas the version I went kind of really focused on welder. Right. Um, right. so yeah, he's not running, uh, Doretti. Um, he's, he's running Jace's. Mm-hmm. Um, he's right. also running the Imperial Recruiter package, which I wish I could run, but I'm not about to drop, you know, a couple hundred dollars on a card that only goes in one deck. Oh, you Actually, mean like Candelabras? Yeah, like Candelabras. Like, I'm not about to drop $300 on a card that I can play in Imperial Painter and Allurin if I ever wanted to do that. Right. Um, he also went with the Counterbalance Sensei's Divining Top version, whereas I really just focused on the valuing out Goblin Welder, um, being a reanimator deck with, uh, Inkwell, uh, Leviathan, Sphinx of the Steel Wind, Worm Coils, mm-hmm. but also just being able to assemble awesome combos such as, uh, you know, the Thopter Foundry, uh, being able to get the, uh, Crucible of Worlds combo up. So I, 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 my version's definitely more value driven. Uh, Let me- Probably not as competitive, though. Well, I noticed something about it, though. Is that, That's an Inkwell Leviathan? Mm-hmm. All right, so that thing's Shroud Island Walk, right? That's that thing? Yeah, yeah. All right, because that killed me Sunday. Yeah. No, I mean, not not from you, but from somebody that um, we'll get. Anyway. Yeah. So I was, and which Tezzeret is that? Are you using Agent of Bolas? Oh, yeah, Seeker? did I not tell you on the list? Yeah, yeah, Agent, uh, the one that makes uh, five fives. I don't know which one that is. Uh, <laughs> is that is it black and blue or just blue? It's uh black and blue. All right, Agent uh, Ebola. Agent Ebola. Yeah, it makes five fives. It, uh, it's also just great for just digging through your deck, okay. fi- finding the pieces you need. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Doretti is just the fifth uh Goblin Welder for the Planeswalker Suite. Right. Oh. Um. So yeah, the version that came in second is definitely more of a. Combo, Linear, Imperial Recruiter, and to Painter Servant, whereas the one I built had Painter Servant as an afterthought. Um, I just love having alternate win conditions in my deck because my favorite way to play Legacy is the long game where it's interacting, going back and forth, not so much as like one side shutting out the other, but each side is counteracting the other side's strategy, so you have to find different ways to win. Um, that's also why with, you know, combo decks, you always want to have an alternate win condition because if they bring in that piece of sideboard hate that shuts you down, you need a way to win through it. Mm-hmm. And you can't always rely on just getting rid of it. You need to be able to win a different way. So I kind of just built my Grixis, uh, welder deck to just have as many win conditions as possible. Hmm. Um, and have you, I, all right, well, I guess I'll have to get into that question a little bit. All right, so is there anything we want to go over with the SCGs? Uh, I think we pretty much covered all that. You want to take it a little bit more local? Yeah, I do, because I actually want to know, did you play this Grixis deck Sunday? I think you know the answer to that, Adrian. I... Uh, why, did I play you? <laughs> oh, yeah, I did play you. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, so you did not play the Grixis Painter deck on Sunday. Did you? Uh, did you still take surprise. second though? Did you uh, still take second? Uh, we ended up splitting top four because. God getting damn second. it! <laughs> <laughs> and it was like it's like seven o'clock on a Sunday. We just wanted to go home. Oh no! I'm just I'm just thinking. I'm like, I I keep thinking I'm showing up with a deck that's decent, and I go like I don't know someplace down the end, and like you show up with something that you brewed, and you're like second place. <laughs> what the hell happened? And and. Well, I was still running the brew, but it was the brew from the week before. I ran, I ran back the uh, rug dreadnought deck just because I want to <laughs> give it another chance. But I did cut the scavenging ooze for uh, Dak Faden, and oh my god, is Dak Faden amazing in that deck? 
Ah, jeez. Okay. Uh, he, he's the reason why I beat Miracles. Um, just Dak faded. Would you take his top? No, I, I, didn't take, <laughs> I didn't take his top, but I did, you know, it, it definitely made him play more uh, awkwardly because of Dak Faden. And just the fact that it's like Dak, like Tarmogoyf, Treasure Cruise. Tarmogoyf's smaller now, but oh look, I have this Dak Faden to make my Tarmogoyf big again, which also just happens to fuel my next Treasure Cruise. And the Miracles deck just couldn't keep up with it. Like he was terminusing and swordsing my guys, and I was just playing more of them. Um, Dreadnought, once again, kind of disappointed. I did beat one person with it, uh, Merfolk deck, just because Merfolk has no way to beat a Dreadnought. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny, but it was, it's, it's always kind of just win more. Mm-hmm. So, once again, I feel it was, you know, I was winning in spite of the Dreadnought combo, rather than because of it. Mm. Um, just because Stifle is just such a powerful card. Okay. Um, so, but speaking of the, the Grixis list though, is that I'm, I'm in this kind of like awkward position, which I love playing all these different decks in Legacy. Um, I'm fortunate enough that I have, you know, enough friends playing Legacy that have collections and I've amassed a large enough collection that I can pretty much play a different Legacy deck every week. Mm-hmm. But then you find that deck that you're just winning with and you don't want to, you know, mess up a good thing. So okay. you just want to keep running it back and winning because our store is actually really good and winning gives you no small amount of store credit. Right. I actually bought a my fourth Volcanic Island with store credit on Sunday with because I because I won uh, split top four prizes and that bumped me up enough to get the Volcanic Island. So it's almost like you well, don't. That's, I mean, you, it's because it's not because you were in top four that week. It's because you've been amassing it for a short period of time now. Yeah, but a short yeah a short period of time meaning I've I've top fourd for the last three weeks in a row, which is a right. lot to get a, uh, a Volcanic Island. Right, right. So not like in one day, but definitely in less than a month. Yeah, not <laughs> one day. But like I've I've done I've top four the last three and that was enough to get a dual land. So yeah, yep. It's almost like you you want to play these different fun decks, but at the same time you're like that's I also don't want to leave money on the table. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I know it sounds like terrible first world problems. My life is terrible that I <laughs> have access to all these cards that I can't play with. Wah. But it's it it really is a shame that when you have to decide between having fun and you know making a profit. Yeah, well, see, the interesting thing is I don't have to make that decision because uh, I haven't been making a profit. <laughs> and going back to the first world problem. <laughs> no, no, this is third world problem. Right now. Um, I'm sorry, Adrian. No, that's it's all right. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool. I mean, like, I'm 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 used to not top aiding because I've been playing Tinfins for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, I just for a long time I just kind of gone with the idea of I'm going to have fun. <laughs> like, I, and and uh, I still still my combo deck of choice, but I forget what I've even been playing recently. I know I ended up doing blue red Delver. You know, I I'll, I I try to put to, like at this point I started trying to put together a different deck each week, and maybe sometimes I'll pick up a, a similar deck again. Mm-hmm. A while ago, I played uh, Sneak and Show. So yeah. this. So this Sunday, I actually decided to try Sneak and Show again. I was thinking maybe I didn't give the dig through time enough, um, enough of a fair shake to, you know, try it out again and see what I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, you cast a great one against me this Sunday. Uh, I, I really, oh my, boy did I bomb that. Um, I mean, you cast a great, you cast a great dig through time, you just punted a little bit beforehand. <laughs> did I even cast the dig through time? Yeah, you oh. cast it. Jeez. Uh, oh, okay, two, yeah, I did. It was the turn after. Yeah, because I just you got man, the two I cards. You did. Well, yeah. Let's. Uh, why don't you tell our our listeners uh, how that played out? Well, all right. So here's 
um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just tell you about like the rounds that I remember playing yeah, anyway. Yeah, go for it. And and I'm gonna start with this. So as soon as I walked in the room, um, there was a guy that I had played a while ago, and this is like a sense of the last time I'd seen him. Um, so I walked in, and this guy Kyle looked at me, and he's like, "Oh, hey, how you doing?" You know, and it was funny. He's like. I heard this podcast on the internet, and I kind of joked. I'm like, "Wow, I didn't think anybody actually heard that." And uh, so, but we started talking a little bit, and he's asking me, "So how's Tins Fins?" You know, and <laughs> I don't have it together with me. But I said, "You, I mean, the thing is, you you poke me on that deck, and uh, we, we're going to talk for a while." Yeah. <laughs> um, and I really wished I'd had it on because he'd never seen it. So, oh yeah. And and. When somebody's never seen it, I'd love to show them what it, what it's about, cause it's crazy. Right. And, uh, so we go to play game one anyway. Round one, he's my opponent. And, um, he doesn't know what I'm playing, and I don't know what he's playing, but he mentioned, he's like, the last time I played you, you were playing elves. So that, like, takes me back to, that had to be over a year ago, cause that was before I sold the, uh, Gaia's Cradles that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I know I hadn't seen this guy in a while. Anyway, and I think the last time, the last time I played him, he may have been playing Dredge. Um, but, regardless, so, so we sit down to play, and, um, I was playing Sneak and Show. Mm-hmm. And, as soon as I realized he was on Reanimator, I, I think, <laughs> I think I get Taxi and probed him, and it dawned on me, I'm not gonna be able to get a creature in my graveyard before he can exhume it. You know, like, like, there's no, you know, and, and I'm thinking if it's ten fins, I could at least like entomb my own Grizzlebrand and you know interact with him a bit. Um, but uh, he ended up beating me. Yeah, that's just a rough matchup. Uh, Reanimator was is kind of a sneak and show destroying combo deck because you do, well yeah because you do all the things sneak and show does but quicker and with more versatility. Okay. Uh, because you're running black, you can run Thoughtseize, which is a big problem for the Sneak and Show deck. You're also, Show and Tell is a three mana spell, and Sneak and ta- sneak Attack is a five mana spell when you count the activation cost. Right. Whereas Entomb Reanimate is two mana. On a Dark Ritual with a Lotus Petal. <laughs> right. So you're running Forceful and Daze, which Sneak and Show is running too, so you're, you're at parity there. But Reanimator is also running Thoughtseize, which, uh, allows you, uh, to get the advantage in that case. Your combo is cheaper than Sneak and Show's combo. And because you're a tutor based, uh, you know, big, big fat creature deck, you can run a tool, box kit of creatures, whereas Sneak and Show yes. is forced to raise, uh, play Grizzlebrand and Emrakul. Emrakul is definitely the best creature, hands down, but the fact that uh, Reanimator can also run um, I'm blanking on the name, the the moat guy. Uh, oh, yeah, Blazing Archon. Archon. Yeah, Blazing yeah. Archon. Uh, you can also run, uh, you know, a, a Jingataxis if you need it for that. You can run yes. the um, uh, Ashen Rider to get to blow stuff up. Mm-hmm. So you just have this toolbox kit that sneak, uh, sneak and show doesn't have access to. You're quicker and you have more disruption. So it's it's I would say it's about a seventy thirty percent matchup in Reanimator's favor. That's what about what it seemed like because he beat me in two. And you know I'm thinking okay well out of the sideboard Craft Digger's Cage gets useful and I'm definitely going to take out the Show and Tells and <laughs> I'll put in uh, through the breach. Oh yeah that's the other thing is like <laughs> you're running Show and Tells <laughs> and <Animator> loves. <laughs> Right, like, right. Oh, yeah, you're gonna let me cheat a fatty into play and then pass the turn. I'm all about that. <laughs> yep. So, so he ended up getting me in two. Um, and then I don't remember what I played the next round. Like the only rounds that I actually remember, I remember playing Kyle, yeah. and I remember playing you. 
And I, <laughs> like, I, well, now I remember playing you, now that you mentioned it, um, where you, I, you went turn one Delver. There was, there was one game that just sticks in my head. I know you beat me in two. Um, it also didn't help that I was talking to you literally right before our round started, and I'm like, oh, what do you want today? And you handed me your deck, and I looked through <laughs> your deck, and then they're like pairings, and we get paired against each other. And I'm like, oh, I feel bad now. <laughs> well, the, well, the thing was, is it wouldn't have been so bad had I didn't bomb the play, like, just ridiculously. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I know uh, you went turn one Delver. Mm-hmm. And I went turn one Ancient Tomb Lotus Petal Blood Moon. Yes. Oh, this is game two. Yeah. Because and... I had I my opening seven, I had two Blood Moons in hand, and I knew like you, I knew I could see your mana base was just so greedy. Game one. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm Rug Delver. I don't run a single basic anywhere near me. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, okay, well, uh, I got turn one Blood Moon. If he counterspells it, I have another Blood Moon in hand. All I need is another land, mm-hmm. and um. I might even have the, a fetch in hand, but so I played the Ancient Tomb, Lotus Petal, took two damage, and cast a Blood Moon. Ice and or loudly, you counters, and you counterspelled <laughs> it, and uh, because I, uh, did I Delver, forced it. Yeah, yeah well, Delver, I think even flipped to the Force of Will. No, yeah, because um, I think you won game one, and then I won games two and three. No, I, I don't even think I won game one. Then how did I get the, the, how did I get the, oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, you're right, you're right, because. I was, I was afraid of days. Cause then you, (laughs) yeah, cause then you passed back after, after you tried jamming the Blood Moon game one. Oh yeah, you're right, you were afraid of days. Yeah, so. So yeah, you, (laughs) that was your other punt, you played around days before I had an island in play. Well, (laughs) anyway, so, regardless, the point to the story... Happens to the best of us. (laughs) So the point to the story was an ancient tomb, a lotus petal, blood moon, gets counterspelled. Uh, Turn goes back to you, um, Delver, and uh, land. Turn goes back to me, and now I have a fetch land, another blood moon, and I know that if I, and I draw a show and tell... And I know if I fetch out a volcanic and land the blood moon, I'm off of blue. Right. So what I had to do was fetch out an island, show and tell in the blood moon so that I'd have access to blue. Right. I, I didn't have a fatty or anything to cheat in. The, bo- the best I could cheat in was to shut you off a of mana. Yep, and so, I, I had a mini heart attack when you got that turn to show and tell because I blew my only counter spell countering the blood moon. Right. So unfortunately, all I could do was show and tell in the blood moon, which left me with blue mana, and you put in a goif. Yeah, I was lucky enough to have a goif in hand, so I was left with a delver and a goif in play. So now, in the graveyard is your force of will, my land, my artifact, my show-and-tell, my enchantment. So the goif is a 5-6. Yep, goif is a 5-6. <laughs> but luckily, I am not playing another spell for the rest of the game, because I do not have access to any other mana. Well, I guess I could play Lightning Bolt. I yeah, was left to play Lightning Bolt. <laughs> right, and it didn't so much matter, because the turn came back to me again. I untapped and decided to brainstorm instead of using the island to echoing truth your Tarmogoyf. So I I bombed that pretty bad. Yeah. Um. Because then then you you finally did echoing shoot the Tarmogoyf, but I no I didn't I was dead. Well, uh, <laughs> I, was, yeah, took, I didn't even echoing yeah, shoot that you, you killed two, me. Yeah, you took two from the uh, ancient tomb two times uh, for the show and yeah. tell in the blood moon. I got so, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah So right. so I I screwed that all up. So it was so I played it. I played a deck that I haven't played in a while. Um. I did not necessarily hate Dig Through Time Sunday. Uh, it just turned out that um, I just need to play better. Mm-hmm. So, aside I mean, from that... That just <laughs> comes with playing the deck more. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and then, 
and then what I also wanted to share because somebody had mentioned um, in the comments on the last episode anyway uh, that they were a miracles player, and you know it's, it's yes as, as much as I do hate the miracles deck. All right. Um, that, be, <laughs> that, that being said, I did end up paired against uh, somebody who I'd never seen at the store before, mm-hmm. and so I figured well, I you know kind of curious what this guy's playing because I've never actually seen him at an event before. Uh, you know, sometimes people look familiar because, you know, like, um, Jake from Ice Imports, I'll recognize him. I know he plays a lot of Legacy. I see him at different events. You know, sometimes I'll come across somebody that I've never seen at an event, so I don't know what to expect. Um, you know, like, I know when I sit down across from Jake, I know what to expect. He's fucking good. You know, like, this, uh, um, anyway, so this guy sits down. I don't, I don't know who he is, and, and maybe he's, I don't know, maybe you know who he is, but, um, so I don't know what to expect. And then, like, I think he played a turn one foreign black border tundra. And I'm like, okay, this guy is obviously invested in the format. <laughs> uh, he, not I his want... first rodeo. <laughs> right, right, right. And, and he just began to play out, you know, um, I think a German top or like whatever it was. It was his, his, it was miracles, but it was a pimped out version of miracles anyway. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which, of course, I'm not a fan of, and he gets the countertop lockdown, which I'm not too afraid of because I'm playing a four-drop sneak attack. He's going to have to float Jace anyway, or float a click because I'm, I can show and tell. But after a few turns, I'm bored, and I'm like, all right, let's just go to game two because I, I didn't want to deal with it anymore. <laughs> so so game two, I, I think I sided out probes because I didn't care it was in his hand anymore, right. and I sided in um, a little bit of extra. So I had like I think I kept the show and tells. So I kept the sneak attacks. And I brought in through the breach, and I brought in a card that was absolutely diesel against his deck. Um, in Besiju, Besiju who shelters all. Oh yeah, that so, that card needs to see more play. <laughs> oh my god, was that like that? I, I so you know, game two we go to play, and I think I played a land, and maybe an ancient. I don't even know what the hell I played a land, a land. But as soon as I dropped the Besiju. I think I saw a tear go down his eye a little <laughs> bit. Like he he squirmed a little. I could see him squirm a little, and. uh and I just, I, I think I, I, I did a little bit awkward. Like it was, it was nice knowing that he can't counter the show and tell, you know. So I think I, the only thing I could actually do was get the sneak attack in. Um, I, so I think I show and tell the sneak attack, trying it just a little bit early. And um, so the show and tell resolves anywhere and tears the sneak attack. And then, uh, but his, where his game is so long with miracles, all I have to do is resolve the next thing with a. And I think I show and tell in the sneak attack so that he couldn't counter it. Because I was using it off of Besiju. Right. And also for all our listeners at home who don't know what, but don't know what Besiju does and are struggling to figure out how to spell it in the searches. Uh, it's, it's a land. It comes into play tapped. It's a legendary land, in fact, that is tap, pay two life, add one mana to your mana pool. If it was spent to play an instant or sorcery spell, uh, that spell can't be countered. So it's kind of like a cavern of souls for, uh, spells. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a cavern of souls for combo decks that like to play show and tell. Yes. <laughs> um and, and and it was it was so good it made me start thinking about using it with Gorio's Vengeance. It, it was just but it's too slow for that deck. Um but it turned out with what I was doing it was it was absurd because it was through the breach was always going to be live. Show and tell was always going to be live. So game 2 I ended up hitting them. Um I think I just managed to resolve another show and tell and land an Emrakul that he couldn't get rid of. Um mm-hmm. And then game three was very similar. I just landed the the Besiju who shelters all, and he had no out to it. You know, it's um his his build of miracles was different. Where 
I think he mentioned he was doing like the European Ponder version as opposed to um like I don't think he had a Caracas. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, that's definitely something that they need against Sneakin' Show. Well, he definitely needed against the show until the uh, yeah, and sure they threw the breach too. Yep, yep. Um, I mean the sneak attack it doesn't so much matter. I'll just reactivate. But yeah, unless you get stuck on lands. But yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. So it was it was uh yeah, Basizu was so powerful against the Miracles deck. It makes me it I, it made me really want to just start playing the mono red sneak attack with Basizus. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see the CG doing doing quite well in that deck. Um, I was actually talking with the judge Nate, um, you know, why it doesn't see more play in Legacy, and he kind of brought up a good point that there are just so many uh, other non-basic lands that also tap for colorless. It really puts a strain on people's mana bases, you know. Between yeah, city of traders, yeah, city of traders, ancient tombs. Um, so you, the, you really have a limit on how much colorless land you can add to a deck with before you start really screwing up your mana base. Well, and here's here's been a thought, you know, where I've been thinking about Besiege you now since uh, since Sunday anyway, and as far as and of course, back to ten fins because it's what I know, right? But um, as far as like a black green version of a reanimator deck like that, where end of turn I crack a fetch, and then crop rotate the green away to pull up a besiege you, so it's untapped during my next turn. Yeah, the problem also is because it's colorless. You need a a um, deck like Sneak and Show that has their combo pieces be use colorless mana. Like you can't use it in reanimator because None of Reanimator's spells other than Exhum actually use colorless mana. Well, Gorio's Vengeance is Shallow Grave. Oh, if you're doing that, yeah, that's true. But you can't use it to cast uh, Entomb, which is usually the primary counter card for sure. Any any deck that you know really knows what it's doing against a Reanimate deck, you always want to counter the Tutor, not be reactive once they already have a creature in in their graveyard. Sure. I mean, I mean, I'm also even thinking like blue green type of Omni Shell. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it, it definitely would be good in that. I could also see it being really good uh, for a natural order using it to cast natural. Oh, order would be really good. smokes! Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I can see that being good. Yeah. So progenitus comes out, can't be counted, and can't be dealt with. You got two turns. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So wow. yeah, that is pretty ridiculous. So I mean, it definitely has. It is narrow, but it definitely has its uses. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as my day went, uh. I played first round our good buddy uh Dan Hall. He was on the blue red deck from GP New Jersey, the uh com uh the land still. Yeah. Running Mistress Factory, Fairy Conclave. Um he beat me narrowly. It was in two games, but both games he was on game one he I he, I lost and he was on one life with a Delver and Tarmogoyf in play. And game two I lost and he was on three life, also with like two Delvers in play. Um those were both really good games that he he squeaked out of. Um and I thought my day was over at that point because as anyone knows, when you lose round one it's the worst feeling in the world because you feel you have such a far claw you know, you have so far to climb back into it. But I played through it. Uh, round two, I, I versed that same Miracles player. Uh, and that's where Dak Faden was just the MVP. Okay. Um, ended up winning in that. Uh, round three, I played, uh, Kyle, uh, with his yep. reanimator deck. So that was also awesome. Uh, you know, shout out to Kyle for, uh, you know, be, being the first, uh, fan of the show that we've met in person. 
Yeah, no shit. Um, I also love that he was running um, uh, Ravnica duels, and it just didn't matter, which just goes to show, you know, if you can't afford dual lands, if you pick the right deck, it's okay to run Ravnica duels. Yeah, and, and usually know, that deck would contain Grizzlebrand. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that too, but just the or fact, Death Shadow. Yeah, just the fact that it, it's it's a combo deck that wins so quickly that you don't care about your life total. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was doing pretty well with that. Um, well, I think you know what I think that actually does highlight though is that one of the things that I kind of like about Legacy is I mean the, all the different aspects, but your life total is a resource, and the way that that resource can be used. Um, can vary to the point of what your mana base look like. Yep. You know, it, where it can actually cross-reference into a financial resource also. So it's actually... Uh, anyway, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, but yeah, no. No, it's true. Um, uh, so yeah, that, that I versed you. Uh, and then, oh, for round five, um, I was versing this kid, uh, Ryan, young kid. I think he probably, maybe like a freshman in high school, maybe okay, even younger. Yeah, I, I think he was probably some of He was there last week too. Yeah, yeah, Ryan and his, his, I think his friend's Ben is his name. I, I love, I love seeing like the younger generation cause it, you know, that's how legacy as a format's gonna continue on is if we interest the younger players. Mm-hmm. You know, it, legacy is not gonna do well if it just turns into this thing that, you know, 30 and 40 year old guys are talking about the good old days. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's when legacy goes away was when you don't have any influx of new blood into it. So I always like when they show up. Um, but he was actually playing Merfolk, and he was undefeated. And okay. he just he just comes up to me, and he goes... Um, Oh yeah, so you're um, you're three and one. I'm I'm four and zero. Oh. I'll I'll just scoop you in, and I'm like, oh cool, thanks. <laughs> I, I, I really appreciate that. That's really nice of you. And I'm just like, oh, I'm talking to everybody. Like, oh, you just want to play for fun? He's like, yeah, we can play for fun. And so we sit down and we play. And I, I feel bad because I just I crush him, just absolutely crush him. And it was not my intent at all. Like mm. he was the Merfolk player that I got dreadnought against. Yeah. And Merfolk just cannot beat a dreadnought. <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay. They but gotta be stifle, I, I guess, right? Yeah, I, I felt kind of bad because I'm just like, he's, he's being nice. He's like, oh, I'm gonna scoop you in. I'm like, oh, thanks. And I'm just like, I didn't need it, punk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that was not my intent at all. <laughs> Jerry's all of a sudden, oh, what am I, am I about to make top eight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, Ryan, if you're listening, I, I doubt it. But if you're listening, yeah, right, that, right, was, that was, that was not my intent. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, and so, then we, we were in top Top four, because at that Z, uh, we, we cut the top four instead of top eight. Um, and then we just decided to split, because it was like seven o'clock on a Sunday, and we all wanted to go home. Yeah. But well, I, you end up with a long drive home. Yeah, I, I drive I, an hour to get to I, the store, but it's I, worth it. I never fucking split. I never split. I'm like, Cause no, you live man, around we're the corner. playing it out. <laughs> like, we're playing it out. I want to play all day. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like, if we play it out, I'm like getting home at like nine, ten o'clock on a Sunday. It's like, I got uh, work. <laughs> you're getting to my home at nine, ten o'clock on a Sunday. <laughs> fucking crash on my couch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, the, uh, but, <laughs> I got to check in the kitchen. Is the wife here? Did she hear me say that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, exactly. But yeah, I was pretty pumped because that gave me just enough store credit to uh, pick up my fourth Volcanic. Yeah, so what are you going to do with that? Is, is, it, is that just go right into your uh, Dak Faden deck there? I mean, you using it in the Grixis Painter? Yeah, Grixis Painter. Also, I'm I'm trying hard. I'm, I'm slowly trying to get the uh, the 40 duel. I'm doing the 40 duel challenge. Sure. Um, so I'm getting there. I'm, I'm actually pretty close just because... Uh, you know, working, I work overtimes and I'll, I'll just, I'll work like a Saturday and I'll put that money towards a duel. Uh, I'll, I'll save up my credit, get a duel, do some yeah. smart trades, do a duel. I, I just traded you a, uh, show and tell for a Savannah. Yep. 
So I, I have like. <laughs> yep, and I decided to play sneak a show and came in like fucking, I don't know. Today. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I should have just played Maverick. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so yeah, I have, have the Savannah. So I'm, I think I'm only like eight dual lands away from having my complete set. So I'm pretty pumped about that. So you got, do you have, you got four underground seas then? Yeah, well, I've had Underground, so Underground yeah. Sea and Tropical Island I got back when they were $25 a piece, so that's why I, I got really lucky and why I was able to get into Legacy, yeah. uh, is because I, I got those dual lands super cheap. Uh, Tropical Islands were the first ones, because mm-hmm. I got to- Tropical Islands when they were like, I remember, I distinctly remember being at the shop and debating whether I should spend $25 on my fourth Tropical Island or spend $25 on the Morphling I needed for my Stasis deck. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I luckily chose made the right choice. <laughs> well, I'm, I was I was just asking because I still have um, yeah, I still had that fifth uh, that I traded for at uh, GP New Jersey that I didn't need. But um, the, I, um, yeah, yeah. So I, got, I didn't know if you needed an underground C for your forty collection. Yeah, I got the underground C's back back when they were pretty cheap because um, the first real competitive uh, deck I ever got into Legacy with. I don't really count Stasis, but <laughs> the first competitive deck I ever played was Reanimator, so I'll always have a uh, soft spot in my heart for Reanimator. Mm. Well, see, so w- one of the things that I actually, I mean, right now I'm actually, I got all the, I think I, okay, well, so I found a way to use the Underground Seas anyway, because when I got there and, uh, you know, Kyle was asking me about Tin Fins, I, I left there deciding that I will always have tin fins together because whatever somebody wants to ask me about it. So like, I have, I, I sleeved it back up again. It seems like every week I take it apart and put it back together. I, like, I don't know, man. And even if I don't play it, I try to put it back together. And, uh. Oh, I, I have a entire section of my binder dedicated to tin fins. <laughs> I, I have my binders with my, you know, my, my deck, my deck cards in it. I have the, the artifact section, the land section, the blue yep. section, the green section, and the tin fin section. And that's, yeah, I have <laughs> which, like... Which also doubles as reanimator section, but you get the drift. <laughs> it's, it's kinda, it's kinda funny too, cause every once in a while if I have my cards with me, somebody's like, hey, you know, do you have trades? I'm like, yeah, I got a bunch of stuff. You know, and I, I have like a binder for each color. So I, I usually start with like, you know, pick a color. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, but it's odd because most of the stuff is like stuff that I make decks out of. So like, if if I if I'm gonna trade something away, it's kind of awkward. Like, you know, down in New Jersey, the kid wanted a show and tell. I'm like, yeah, I could trade you a show and tell. It's kind of weird because then I end up with three, and that doesn't really go in a deck. I'll just have to trade for another one back. But you yeah. know, but like, there's certain things where because it's stuff I build out of. It's like play sets. Like, it's not. I'm not a binder grinder. Yeah, you know, well, like, I I made that decision a while ago, is just because I got tired having to say no to people, and I also it's really frustrating when people say no to you it's like well if you're not going to trade it like why are you even showing it to me so that's why like a, a while ago i separated it out i have a binder that i take with me that just lives in my backpack um that i just use for trading and then i have my binders that are for deck building that just don't leave my house sure and the uh you know one of the things with when when somebody's uh like there was a kid there a couple of weeks ago and like if I can look through his, like, I know there's a couple of cards he's looking for. Now, if I can look through his binder and see that he's got something, then maybe we can make a trade. And he's like, is there anything you're looking for? And I'm like, well, no, not really. But, you know, he wanted a Tundra. I'm like, if I can find something to get you a Tundra anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, like the decks that I play that use Tundra, don't use four. Yeah. Like, so I, like I, some of the, so there's certain things where, like, trading one is awkward, and then there's certain things where trading one is valid. Like, like down in New Jersey, I traded away a Jace, because... I, I I don't think I've ever played a deck that had a play set of Jaces. I mean, those are my favorite decks, but I understand your point. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, like, there's certain things where, like, 
sometimes I won't have like like for me to take you know the one Jason the one Tundra that I'd be willing to trade and the two underground seas or like all these odd things like the extra polluted delta and to have them sitting in a separate binder makes now building a deck awkward because I actually do have to take those out of a different deck now you know it's just it's just and uh, it's a yeah. convenience and convenient thing, but yeah. Well, I mean, that's the ideal. It's like you ideally you would have you know three sets of undergrounds, three force, three sets of force of wills, so that when you build decks, you don't have to de sleeve and re sleeve. But impossible, <laughs> absolutely and, impossible. Because yeah. then I want then I want to make a fourth deck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's just not it's which not is, realistic. Which is the only thing that I love about Magic Online over real life is how easy it is to switch cards in and out of decks. All right, all right, you kind of got me there, but um, I still. I still can't see myself setting up a Magic Online account. Only, I only mean, they just released the Holiday Cube. Yeah, well, yeah, let me let me share this little insight AJ, for you. Do you know the power of going Island Black Lotus Jace? Um, do you know yeah. that feeling? It's a great feeling. <laughs> yeah, I could probably do that. Like, you have a, you you don't get into Worcester early enough. Um, sometimes these guys actually cube there too. Yeah, I know that I, I sometimes I try and cube, but it's like in order for me to get there and cube before the legacy tournament, I need to wake up at like 8 a.m. on a Sunday. And yeah, well, so there's Island, uh, Black Lotus, Chase. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. But then there's also just sleep, and I can, yep. I can dream about doing that too, so that's, that's like doing it. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, I don't know, something about, um, I mean, the thing with, uh, here's, um, here's like, I guess my digital holdup. In a sense. So, right now I have a droid. Uh, I used to have an iPhone. Um, and I was talking to somebody recently, you know, I'm a Sons of Anarchy fan. Or, you know, yeah. the show just ended anyway. But, so, back with like season two, three, whatever, I actually purchased some episodes on iTunes. Now, I don't have my phone, but I still have an iPad, so I could actually still access a lot of those things from iTunes anyway. I don't remember what episode I purchased. So, for all intents and purposes to me, iTunes just has my money and I have no product because I don't access it. Mm-hmm. I don't have a disc in front of me. Right. You know, you know what I mean? So, the digital object of MTGO, for me, feels the same way. Now, if I don't log in and play Moto, I don't even log in to go sell those cards. They just, they just have my money. Yeah, but it's a, there's no there's no recouping value there. Sorry. No, I I know what you're saying. It's like it's a it's a commodity that doesn't exist. It it has as much value as we we believe it does. I I definitely see that point of the argument, but at the other point of the argument, it's like paying money to go to the movies, but then being able to also see those movies whenever you want. As long as you use it, it has it, the values there. Right. But, like, so I don't use iTunes anymore. I haven't used iTunes in a while. That value is not there. Yeah, so then it's not, it doesn't have value for you. But that's not to say that if you did use iTunes every day, uh, that it wouldn't have value all of a sudden again. It's not like it disappears. It's still it, there. No, it actually takes, it takes more value. Like, I mean, in the iTunes example is like, I don't remember what episode I purchased. I actually go through, have to go through every episode of Sons of Anarchy to wait for iTunes to say, you already purchased this one. Do you, do you want to just load it? And then I go, oh, that's the one I bought, right? Okay, now I remember. Right. Like, like of course, now if I don't play Moto for a year and a half, I go back and go, did I even own a Jace? I should see, I don't, and I don't know how Moto works. Maybe I should purchase it. Oh, I already have one. I mean, maybe it just accesses your collection different and it's a little bit easier than iTunes. But it's just, it's it's the fact that if I don't access it, it's lost value that's not um, easily recouped for me. So this, I mean, this, this is that little 
so yeah, they have Legacy Cube on Moto, and it still doesn't get me to play. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, just in the Legacy Cube, I'm, I'm not giving up on this argument. <laughs> still, in just the Legacy Cube, it's literally a movie ticket. Because it's a cube, you don't keep the cards. You're literally paying for the experience. So if you would pay $10 to watch a movie, you could also instead pay $10 and play Black Lotus into Jace. So it's yeah. all about your enjoyment factor. Yeah, down. Okay, so uh, boy, that's actually that's actually awkward, isn't it? I was about to say the downside for me is that I don't play for games. I don't pay for games I play, and then I like I'm having a conversation about legacy. <laughs> like, that's right. no way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like no, you cannot make that argument. Right, right, right. <laughs> you're playing. You're playing the luxury format of a luxury game. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, which is funny because like like we play Clash of Clans, and I haven't put a dollar into that game. Right. You don't play for digital games. You don't pay for digital games. Yeah, maybe it's just because it's digital. Like, I bought PlayStation games, but there's a CD in front of me, and then that kind of goes back to the iTunes relation. You know, there's right. something in front of me that if I wanted to, I could sell a tangible product to somebody. You know, and, and maybe that's it. Like, I can't just resell, like, like an episode on iTunes, I can't just resell that to somebody else. Yeah, but to be fair, it's like, sure, you don't have that commodity that you can sell, but how much value are you really losing? It's like, sure, you have that that CD game of SimCity 3000, but if you take that to, uh, you know, GameStop or whatever, they're going to offer you three bucks for that. Are you really that upset about missing out on three bucks? Well, let's, now, let's, let's see. Over the course of a CD collection, perhaps. Because it's not just $3 that I lost. The fact is, like, maybe it cost me $20 for each game over the course of 20 games is 400 Now, I only get $3 back to 60 so I've lost 340 You know, but we're, if they're digital, I've lost 400 Okay, yeah, so it stacks up over time. I'm, 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 I'm trying to recoup the value, you know, and, and not just... Otherwise, it's gone as soon as, as, soon as I bought it. It's it's just it's it's an odd thing. Plus, there's so many complaints about Moto. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's a whole different argument. But no, I, I I just feel that like our society as a whole is kind of shifting its ideas about ownership and property. That with the digital age, we're going from this idea that this is mine, I own this, I can touch it, I can hold it to, you know, this is mine right now. And I'm basically renting it. You know, look at, you know, if you look at the younger generation, they're not buying cars. They're using services like Zipcar. Something okay. like Zipcar could not have existed in the 50s because the consumer drive and the idea of ownership was too strong. Whereas this generation is not so much dedicated to the idea of owning something as they are of using it when I need it. So I view it's it's very much a reflection of our evolving ideas of, around property and what it actually what value it has to us to own it and just say it's mine and I have all this stuff rather than saying I have these experiences I paid for the experience not the product. That's a very interesting thought. That's a, that's an interesting school of thought. There is a um yeah, there's a whole consumerism that was based in the 50s on on accumulation. Right, and not even even going before that. I mean, it's almost kind of like the American idea is this consumerism drive and this 
this this idea that you just need to own stuff. You need to accumulate all of these things that you can show to people and that you can say is mine and you can sit in your house and surround yourself with it. And yeah, there's definitely some negatives to say about that. You know, I, basically, if you want a good art, you can just watch Fight Club. <laughs> uh, but it's also just a, a matter of our evolving understanding of property and, you know, what, what we really need out of life. And it's not so much about owning the thing as it is about enjoying it in the moment. Okay. I'm going to say two things to you right now, and they're going to contradict each other. Uh, so, I think I may have found my Christmas gift to myself. What's that? So, Star City Games is doing a sale on foreign cards right now. Really? Yeah, and Chains of Mephistopheles <laughs> it- Italian for $212, which is a steep, steep discount for the, from the, uh, $350 for the English version. So what you're telling me is I will not want to be show and tell you against you. No. No, you will not. But I'm even like I'm trying to talk myself out of it every time I do whenever I'm about to drop money on a big magic card, especially if it's not for store credit. But I'm on like TCG player and even on TCG player, which is usually like the cheapest prices, like the cheapest I can get a chains of Memphis stock. Mephistopheles for <laughs> the cheapest you can say it for the cheapest I can say it for <laughs> is still like two hundred and seventy five dollars and that's for like moderately played and even though it's Italian it's like near mints chains mm. like and, basically two hundred dollars and it's like three hundred and fifty most other retail ah uh, you could probably take Frankie's tips. So uh, if it says near mint on SCG, it's mint. Uh, I may have to work Saturday, get some overtime just to justify this, but I may have to get this chain some Mephistopheles. <laughs> oh, man, it is tempting. It is you, so would, tempting. Would you actually stick... You wouldn't stick that in the painter servant deck, would you? No, it wouldn't go in paint. Well, I mean, I could. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I could. But it's just one of those cards where it's just like... Uh, it's, it's just so awesome. And I owned one but traded it for two Tarmogoyfs before I ever cast it. Okay. And I just, I've always wanted to resolve it. But I always play decks with Brainstorm and Jace, so I just can never play that. Right. But I just want to resolve it so bad. And, oh, man, it does go into Grixis. It does. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, why you got to do that? <laughs> uh, add to cart. <laughs> I'm going to think on this. <laughs> yeah, you don't, yeah. Um, so... Speaking of the Grixis Painter deck, um, I want th- there was a comment on one of the last episodes from a DIJ that uh, he wanted to get a full deck list for the Grixis Painter deck, and you know I was saying we're going to put it in the show notes, we'll put it on Facebook also. He said he's been piloting, piloting the Esper, Esper Tesseret for a bit, and he would love a chance to play grind the paint combo without dropping a heavy dime on Imperial Recruiters. Yeah. So go, going back to the SCG that had the Imperial Recruiters, uh, your deck list does not have Imperials. So uh, let, let me ask you, Jerry. Um, ha- first, have you have you actually played it out, your Grixis Painter deck, and what does it play like? Uh, so no, have not played it out yet. <laughs> have not even sleeved it up yet. Um, it's just one of those decks that I kind of put together in my mind. Uh, just talking with friends. Uh, really, what spawned it was the interaction between Baleful Strix and Goblin Welder, and how if you can just grind that out often enough, you're going to get ahead of pretty much anyone. 
Uh, and I just love the fact that it plays like a reanimator deck, so you can, you know, cheat in these fatties, uh, that just also happen to be artifacts. Uh, plus you have the instant win condition with painter, servant, grindstone. Plus, on top of that, because that's not enough value in and of itself, you also have the Planeswalker Suite with uh, Tezred and Jace for that win condition. And in addition, you have Thopter Foundry Combo for the late game where you can just gain a whole bunch of life. Um, I don't know how competitive it is. It is going in a bunch of different directions, but I do like that it's a toolbox deck. You know, it's running in Tomb and Intuition to fill up the graveyard so you can pretty much find whatever combo fits the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think it'll definitely do well just because it's a blue deck in Legacy and you can't go too wrong with that. <laughs> so, uh, so does this function the way... Um, now, in, in a little bit, maybe I'll tell you about the, the when I play Painted Grindstone, what, what it normally plays like, but does this do the, the typical thing where it names blue and then just, like, tries to hose every blue card that main deck. Yeah, that too. I mean, one of the best combos is Painter Servant Pyroblast because you basically have a one mana Vindicate or a one mana Force, not even Force, just a one mana Counterspell. So your your goal is to name blue off Painter Servant. Then. Yep, exactly. So Pyroblast is awesome. And then also, even if you don't get Painter Servant out, Pyroblast is just really good in this format anyways. Against against the field, sure. Yeah, so that's really good. Uh, you have the toolbox aspect, you have the many different win conditions, you can just outlast pretty much any deck in the format. Um, I, it is weak to, uh, combo. Uh, mm-hmm. especially, you know, like we no- mentioned the non-blue combos of Storm and Elves. And Reanimator. Uh, yeah, well, Reanimator to a lesser extent, cause Reanimator, uh, relies on, uh, protecting their uh, protecting their combo more, and also just the careful studies are a big part of the deck too. You can okay. you can right. assume. Yeah. Reanimator is definitely better off than say you know sneak and sneak and show or sure. any of those decks. But I yeah. wouldn't say it's as protected as say Storm or Elves. Elves okay. is definitely the most protected because there's nothing you can hit with Pyroblast in that deck. Right. But with Storm, the only thing you can hit is their cantrips. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Reanimator, you can hit their counter spells, you can hit their uh, careful study. Also, post game when they board into show and tell, you can hit the show and tell post board. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, just with those decks, you're running ensnaring bridge too. Um, so you can also just ensnaring bridge for the protection, and that's main deck. Hmm. Hmm. See the um. So when I have you ever seen me play Painter Servant? No, I didn't know you played Painter Servant. I, yeah, I do it here and there. I don't do it frequently um, because I don't like people to realize what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those decks that like. So when I do Painter Servant, I use uh, Mox Diamond Land Tax Scroll Rack okay. as as the drawer engine. Yeah, um, and which allows me access to Enlightened Tutor for the Painter Servant or the Grindstone. Right. Um, and I use Argivian Find. So the, the the difference. All right, let me start with this. The difference in the way that I play Painter Servant with the land tax is where most Painter Servant decks name blue because it, it gives them main deck answers across the field before the painter comes into play. The Painter Servant deck that I'll play from time to time names red, so it's it's better in a field of burn decks. 
Huh. Um, it's, 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 it's interesting because the way I actually handle blue decks is using Argivian Find. So I land a Painter Servant or a Grindstone, you counterspell it, I pay one white, I Argivian Find to bring it back to my hand and cast it again. What does Argivian Find do? It's like, it's, it's a white reconstruction. I haven't played this deck in a little while, but the deck itself, it's not super competitive, but it's pretty fun. Like, Argivian Find is one white instant from Weatherlight. Um, return target artifact or enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand. Okay. So, so it lets me take back Mox Diamond if I want, Scroll Rack if I want, Land Tax if I want, um, Painter Servant or Grindstone, and I use four of each in the deck anyway. So I fight through the blue decks by just recursion. Right. Now, I also have Enlightened Tutor to pull it to the top of the deck if I want. Um, so I can usually get it whenever I want. Um, the other things that the deck actually does is because when I land the Painter Servant I name Red, I can get away with playing one main deck Circle of Protection Red. Which is funny because I can enlighten tutor it up if it's a burn deck, but once I land the Painter Servant, I could just circle a protect Tarmogoyf. Yeah. Um, it, it's also it also does odd stuff where I play um, Hannah's Custody. I've played Hannah's Custody and played Absolute Law, where Absolute Law is all creatures gain pro red. So if I land the Absolute Law and then I land the Painter Servant, you can't even swords the Plowshare him because right. he's got pro red. Like it's just it, it's it's you can't lightning bolt him. You can't. Suddenly you have to edict me. Right. You know, um, then there's like, so the deck functions on hating out red. Um, but it hates out red by using white, it fights through blue by using recursion. It's not super competitive, but what's interesting is that nobody knows what the hell it's doing. Which is one of the <laughs> biggest advantages you can have in Legacy. <laughs> so it's, and it's funny because sometimes I'll land a, you know, turn, and, and I play Tithe, which is like the instant spell version of Lantex. Um, one white instant search through my deck for a planes. If my op- opponent controls more lands than I do, I can search my deck for two. So what it allows me to do is to play a turn one Mox Diamond, um, discard a planes, tap it, cast Tithe, go on my deck, get a planes, play a land tax. Now if you, you know, it's, 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 it allows, um, but the other thing that Tithe also allows is I play Abolish. Abolish is a weird card from Prophecy. It's two white and a colorless instant. Um, you can dis- you can discard a planes card rather than paying its mana cost, and it destroys target artifact or enchantment. So suddenly, like counterbalance has to float a three drop without realizing it. Right. Because I can tithe up the planes to discard it to cast the abolish. So if there's something that's like you know a, a chalice at two or a chalice at one, if they like if they chalice at one, so I can't grindstone. I can abolish the chalice in order to cast the grindstone. It, it's it's a very obscure deck. It's really weird. Yeah. Um, no, I mean those are those decks can be really really good. It's, if your opponent doesn't know what you're doing, you and you can especially if you're a combo deck that can win out of nowhere. That's one of the best advantages you have. Yeah, and it, it's funny because normally, like when I play land tax, it's normally like a prison type deck or definitely a toolbox deck that's the one deck where I play land tax as a combo deck mm-hmm. and, and it's interesting because it gives me a chance to play painter servant um, and, and grindstone but it's on a completely different axis where most people you know if they see an early grindstone they're going to think alright painter servant is going to try to name blue but what I'm actually doing is naming red you know it's, and and there's no you know at, at this point it's actually pretty cute because monetary swift spear is red you can pump that thing all you want I'll just circle it protect it Right. You know, it, it, what I can't do is outrace um, you know, all the tokens of a young pyromancer. 
But just before we started recording, I actually ran down the store and picked up a couple of cards, and one of them is just such a young pyromancer hoser. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I don't know if you heard of this. No, what is it? Uh, Caltrops. Caltrops? <laughs> I'm guessing either Portal or Kamigawa. <laughs> uh, I think it was 7th edition or 8th Se- edition. Alright, got me. It's an, uh, it's an uncommon. It was something I had just heard about earlier. Yep, 7th uh, edition, originally in Urza's Destiny. Yeah. That's a hilarious photo. Yeah. Uh, not, not the seventh edition. The uh, have you seen the Urza's Destiny one? No. Oh, it's it's literally this this guy looks like he's just in his pajamas in a room, and the room is covered in caltrops. Which, if you don't know what they are, they're just little mean spiky, like jacks looking things that are used to mess up horses' hooves. But it's this oh, guy I like. Oh, they're for. Okay. Oh yeah, did you not? Yeah. No, I thought it was like just another word for cow shit. <laughs> that maybe <laughs> now this is my my history nerd coming out yeah they were like they're they're like a medieval weapon so you would scatter them on the field of battle so okay. horses horses couldn't uh charge you because there's these it. like little spiky barbs in the field and it messes up their hooves and hmm. horses don't horses don't like that sure but so so, so I, so besides the artwork, uh, whenever a creature attacks, Caltrops deals one damage to it. So yeah. that's a cute way to hold back any any um, any young pyromancer deck. <laughs> tokens, weenie. That's yeah, that's pretty good. If only it didn't cost three. Yeah, that's the downside to it. But um, I figured I actually I went down there. I went down there to pick up. Uh, I was hoping to pick up Choke, and they were out of Choke. Dude, um, Choke is skyrocketing. I've been following it on MTG stocks. It's like uh, three bucks now. Yeah, but it's just steadily climbing. It, it went from fifty cents to three bucks in a couple weeks. Yeah, well, I think you, yeah, shit's out of stock. No kidding, huh? Yes. Um, so uh, sure, it's like only a couple cents, but when you put it in that way, it percentage-wise, it's going up like crazy. You modern masters too, you think? Uh, maybe I I could see them. You know, they like printing their color hosers. Uh. You know, cards like boil, choke. Boy, that would that would really be that would that would really be strong in a limited format. Yeah, it really would. I'm I'm actually surprised boil doesn't see more play. It's it's a little too expensive for legacy, but man, people should be playing that in modern. Yeah, so this must be just a matter of like elves trying to hate out blue red delver. I mean, if it's if basing it off a of legacy speculation uh, anyway. Well, not even. Well, it, it is definitely choke is definitely from legacy. It, it, a little bit of modern too, but uh, like we mentioned, uh, the maverick decks and the, mm-hmm. the the choke dot deck running siege rhino, choke okay. chalice of the void, trinisphere. Th- those decks were getting really popular. Okay. So yeah, I can definitely see stuff like that. Um, I, so, so I went to get, I went down there looking for choke. They were out of choke. I managed to pick up caltrops. I picked up, uh, oh jeez, what, uh, dread of night. I picked up a dread of night. <laughs> Good. Just, just, just for Aaron. <laughs> yeah. And um, what the hell else did I get? Oh, a dig through time, because that's you know, I I I love the blue red omni show deck so much. Uh, I don't like the mono blue omni show. But I do want to try it with the dig through time and see. So now I have three copies. Mm-hmm. Um, if I want to put it together, I can. I think in thinking about what you're saying, where everybody's just main decking Pyroblast for the blue red Delver deck, um, I'm, to play combo, I'm probably best off with ten fins anyway, or elves, you know. But I don't really consider elf a combo deck. I consider it a hyper aggro deck. 
I mean, it it definitely is a combo deck. It's just not in my mindset, you know. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Top eight pairings have been posted. All right, so Jerry, who would you? Who, is there anybody you'd like to scoop in the top eight, Jerry? Um, yeah. First of all, I'm gonna, I'm gonna scoop uh, Ryan, the uh, the high schooler that we played on Sunday. I felt felt really bad about just just uh, throwing his gift in his face, but that was not my intent. So I'm gonna scoop Ryan in the top eight. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just you know, pretty crazy. Just uh, we, you know, when we started the show, we had no idea, you know, what impact it would have if anyone even listened to it. So we we got the numbers of you know downloads, and we were just blown away. So just everyone who's been listening to it. Um, you know, people have come up to us on Twitter or in person, you know, Kyle in person at the tournament, um, people hitting us up on Twitter, uh, Patrick Uglo, I want to shout him out. He, uh, he hit me up on Twitter, so it's, you know, it's just nice hearing from you guys, so, uh, we're friendly. If you guys want to hit us up, you know, we're more than happy to talk with you guys. It's, it's great hearing from you. All right. Uh, so what's it, my turn then? Is that where yeah, we're I mean, I guess you could have a turn. Yeah, yeah, I guess All you right. could have a turn. <laughs> Alright. Um, yeah, so, I definitely want to scoop in a top eight, Kyle. And you know what, I'm gonna, but I, I do want to do it this way. Uh, I'm gonna scoop in the top eight, all of my machine shop brethren. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know, like, if you're aware of this, Jerry, but, anyway, so, we got this Facebook page, and, um, it was apparently difficult to find. And uh Braden Defoe found me on Twitter and asked me how we could find the Facebook page. So we got the link and uh and I kind of been chatting with him on Facebook and it apparently it was it was like one of those he must have been listening to the cast and I was talking about how I listen to a lot of podcasts while I'm working in a machine shop. Yeah. As he was listening to a podcast while he was working in a machine shop. <laughs> so it was like one of those uh ironic little twists there. So um so yeah, shout out to Braden. We've been uh, going back and forth on a few things. He he kind of showed me a list too about uh, Artificer's Intuition that apparently got a deck tech. We, you know, we were just talking about um, with the SCG list. I think it was placed in like 128th or something, but it got uh, it got mentioned because the guy got a deck tech. He was he was pretty excited about it too. Um, so yeah, Braden Defoe anyway, and Kyle, uh, and also, I mean, really, there's. Uh, you know, definitely, I would, you know, I kind of, I know I wanted to kind of start doing this just in case I had an idea. I could go back and listen to it and see why I didn't want to do that again. But there's, um, so I was surprised that definitely, uh, anybody and the number of people that were actually listening to it. Um, I don't have that many devices to download the episodes. That's cool. <laughs> but the, uh, so, and the people that were leaving comments the last episode, uh, Michael Conrad, uh, somebody magic, uh, generic magic enthusiast, um, you know, I, it's, uh, it's, it, it actually means something, cause you know, it took me, like, I listen, I've been listening to podcasts for a long time, but it took me a long time to actually take the time to set up an account with something to be able to leave a comment. Like, just, just the time that it actually took me to do that took me, I don't know, a year and a half before I even bothered to do that. Oh, yeah. uh, so, so the fact that these guys would do that at all is, uh, is, is, uh, appreciated anyway. Um, and like I said, I'll put up, uh, a link to the Facebook group. Um, you can all find us there too. And have uh, a lot of times, you know, we'll have conversations about whatever. Lately, it's been uh, what do we hope to see out of Modern Masters. Um, but we're gonna put uh, Jerry's Painter Grindstone list over there. I'll, I'll put up. 
I'll see if I put up the list for the land tax painted grindstone deck if anybody's interested in that too. Um, and yeah, you can hit us up either Twitter, Facebook, uh, leave a comment on NTGCast or whatever. It's, um, it's stunning. You know, like, I, I, I know, and, and we were talking about it before, Jerry, there's not, there wasn't a lot of legacy podcasts. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's cool that we get to hang out once a week and kind of talk this stuff. Exactly, exactly. Because we're going to be here whether you listen or not. So the fact that you guys, <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you guys are tuning in is pretty cool too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it actually, it is. It is. Um, so anyway. Yeah. Good stuff. Good show. Uh, sorry the last two before this were was a little bit short, but hopefully this kind of satisfied you guys a little bit more. Uh, I'm, guess... not, I'm not even going to apologize for time. Yeah. The time, the time is what the time is. <laughs> All right, good. And, and, and again, I'm not paid for reading, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, good. Uh, I guess we'll see you all next week. Yeah. Um, well, I'll definitely see you next week, whether or not they'll all see us. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right. Uh, yeah, so we'll see you next week. Um, fucking sweet. Sweet. All right. Let's take it easy, guys. Take it easy, guys. <laughs> <laughs>